Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Locks, Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor and Connor, and we had disc golf last weekend. Sure did. Actually, this past weekend, not last weekend. I don't know how you say it. It doesn't matter. The Las Vegas Challenge. We had disc golf yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> we, yeah. We, the Las Vegas Challenge officially happened. Uh, let's get straight into it. So we're going to talk about some results, some storylines, and then we'll look at our uh, points from our predictions on the preview show. But getting straight into it, FPO. We had Katrina Allen coming out, taking on her first win with DGA on her back. Paige mm-hmm. Pierce came in second. Kristen Tatard came. Kristen Tatar came in third. I got Tatar in third mixed up. So Kristen, jeez, Kristen Tatar came. You're never living that down. That is so funny. All right. Anyways, you're gonna get blocked on Twitter by Kristen Tatar. Yeah. Some storylines. First off, Katrina Allen looked very good out there. She made some mistakes. Yeah. Oh, don't read my notes. <laughs> no, I'm not even man. reading your notes. Cheating? I, I can't stop yeah, thinking about the <laughs> It's okay. I I'm mean, a little upset. Oh, uh, all right, go t- ahead. Ian said he was. <laughs> Ian had several mishaps wording wise on the uh, the broadcast. One of the worst ones was he said dicks length instead of discs length. I mean, that's, that's understandable. So he pulled a he pulled a Terry Miller there. <laughs> that's understandable. Uh, so oh, I think I can I get. Are we going to talk about commentary at some point? At some point, I can't yeah, wait. Down the line. <laughs> like, I forgot about Terry. <laughs> Go ahead. Cat <laughs> uh, looked very good out there, though. She had some mistakes, but very, overall, very impressive play. She actually was yeah. able to win the tournament, only putting fifty five percent from C one X putting, which is that. crazy because <laughs> when I was watching, that's my kind of, that's when I was play. when I was watching the tournament, I the whole time I felt like Cat's putting was better. Yeah, like it looked better, well, but then I looked at the stats after. I was like, "Oh, it's only 55 I think I think the key is she was just making the impo- the really important ones, and that's yeah. why it's like every time I was like, "Ooh, Cat needs this putt," she was making them. I think I think that's what it comes down to, and and that's the thing when you throw as well as her and you just have way more opportunities to score because that's the other thing is she was missing birdie putts. Yeah, and the other and yeah, and probably a lot of that putting. Those putting statistics probably came from her her bad round in that third round. Probably. So I, I, I think that overall, even though the, the putting percentage is still not great, I think that she did what she had to do with the putter. Some players just aren't going to be lethal putters. Now, there will be a time where you got to do it all because that's just what's, what's going to take to win on a certain weekend. But for her, and this weekend in particular, with her distance and control she had going on, that's all she needed. Yeah, I mean, Paige had a shot at a playoff or possibly a win going yeah. like on 18. I love that 18th hole. But 18, yeah, 18's approach. Sick. It pretty much it, it it has danger on the drive, depending on where you laid up. Danger on the second shot. There was options, yeah. which is the, what you want. And then depending on that, sometimes danger on the third shot for FPO. Yeah. And then the putt wasn't a gimme because it was up on a hill. I love that she went for it. As soon as I saw her pull the Zeus and was like going to go for it, I was like, I love that play. Like, let's be aggressive. Just just take the win it's right It's better there. to lose being aggressive exactly. than lose trying to lay It up. was a bummer that she messed it up. But like, you want to lose there, not like on some little trickle up shot or like a missed putt. Well, you yeah. Know? You want to you put it that, in your hands. That's why I, I like... I always like the aggressive play because it's in your hands. Yeah. You feel like I was doing what I needed to do to win mm-hmm. versus I was trying to play safe and did something stupid, which I think that might have been a little flashback to Worlds for her Yeah, where she was trying to play safe right. and then end up losing it versus 100%. just like do what you need to do to guarantee the win and, and don't do... 
some situations it's like a very smart play to lay up, but in certain situations where you're like, I can lay up and, you know, have a shot at the win or forcing a playoff, or I can go for it and guarantee a win. Yeah. I like to go for it, yeah. guarantee a win. And it's also kind of like whenever you play doubles and your partner uh, parks it and you be like, oh, I guess I got the green light. I'm going to run it. And then even if you do really bad, it's because you ran it. So you have an excuse. Exactly. Well, also in doubles, <laughs> so you in. have another another person. No, I'm just saying that. Yeah, whatever. I get you. I got it. I got <laughs> Listen, it. Listen, man. You got it. This man is all business. There is uh, also a cut after round three in this tournament, which I like. I, I wish it was after round two, just because yeah. like it would have made more sense. I still but like. I still like. I like because it was cut. vicious. Like what yeah. was it? Top forty eight. Top forty percent of, bo- of both yeah, fields. It was. It was, it was right at the cash line. Vicious. Like people, really good players were just getting crushed. Well, that's what. So notable names that missed the cut for FPO: Henna Blomrus, Deanne oh, Carey, Ellen Widboom, who won on tour like a year or two ago, and then Kona Panis. Uh, oh yeah, she's got Kona. I think. Well, Her hands are cold, Hannah's man. You one. Heard what she said, Hen, "Yeah, Hannah's one <laughs> storyline that we'll talk about here in a second. But Kona's got to find a way to play without the pressure of the contract. You know, she's she she played she's solid got, the first few rounds. Yeah. It seemed like once mistakes started, she couldn't they get snowballed. off the mistake train. You know, she's got that one off her shoulders though. I I hope that like. Now that she's kind of like that, that's like almost worst case scenario, right? First event in the spotlight, you miss the cut. Like that's that's pretty worst case. So I hope, yeah, that especially now- after being she was five under par going into round three, then shot an eleven over to right. be six over par. And she that's the thing; she's always liable for rounds like that. That's something you just got to work on. You got to be a player um, who can minimize the damage. Who can take you have take to, be able a, to bounce back. You got to take a triple bogey, short memory, and just work from there. But uh, I, I hopefully like now that this one's off her shoulders and like. It's out there in the air, you know. It happened. It is what it is. Hopefully, she can kind of like get back on track because she's she's talented. Now, I don't I don't think on her best day. I don't know if she's beating some of these top players right now. But I, I well, think she, if she they can, have a bad day and she has yeah a great no she day, can yes. she can get herself in the mix. And you if know, they're both having great days, I agree. Uh, yeah. A great day for Paige, Cat, Kristen, even Evelina is there, you're not yeah. But I mean, she definitely can compete. So you know, I, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it the the pressure of big contracts, it's, it's not new to sports. This happens all the time to like all kinds of players from all different sports. Like yeah. all of a sudden everybody's looking at you because they know how much money you make. It's oh, yeah. right. It's like show imagine just showing up to your job and then your salary floating above your head. Like people are gonna look at you different when yeah. they know what you're worth. Yeah, that's why no one knows what Trevor makes. Because exactly. then you can't you can't look at him and see that seven figures above his head. That's right. Um, <laughs> That'd the, be a funny joke. I make eighty six thousand an episode of the show, actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, but well, gosh, I had something on my mind. Oh, yeah, so right after <laughs> uh, right after the round and everything, she actually went on to Instagram. She and posted a video saying that like immediately after the round, she actually deleted her Instagram and her Facebook for I think just overnight. Not like deleted the account, but off her phone. I wonder and if she's, she's now actually back was it, like getting hate. Well, I think it's not, maybe she not even, necessarily Maybe hate. she didn't even want to see the, like, encouragement. Like, sometimes you play so bad, you, you don't, don't, even, you don't yeah. even want to hear the, like, well, keep your head up. Yeah. I think that I you got you to gotta weigh out what's hate and what's just, like... Like, you, you're a professional athlete, right? So, some people... I mean, I've been blocked by players. We all know that. For, no, I'm not a professional athlete. <laughs> but for saying things just about their play. Like, Absolutely. I think hatred or, like, hate in a sports sense is, like, coming after the character of a person or coming after a player. Kona Pan has played bad this weekend. Period. That's not hate. Mm-hmm. That's uh, mm-hmm. just talking about how. And right. she has a g- very large contract. That's also not hate. 
that's just, hey, you, she had assigned to a very large contract. With that big contract comes certain expectations. She didn't meet those expectations. So people were like saying things. Now, there could have been hatred backed comments, like people saying mean things, like almost like an I told you so attitude towards right. her. Sure. But as a professional athlete with more and more eyeballs getting on disc golf, you got to be ready for, for that. Yeah, type it's of thing. not going to get any easier. Which, no. well, and to be fair, like, you can't. That is one thing you can do is just delete. That's true. Social media. That's true. You, you don't have. You don't have to read those messages, and that's something. I mean, honestly, that's something you're probably going to learn to have to do is very much block out a lot of the noise. But yeah, well, it's only going to get. She has. To, she has to know how to take it because that's how she like. That's right. why she it's got a big her part of her value because of her social media. Yeah, social of. media is a big a big part of it. So you can like not read comments. You can do certain things, but. She is, she's going to have to keep posting. Yeah, that, right. that is a big part but, of I mean, it. But, delete, but deleting off your phone for a night, I mean, that's no, not yeah, a big deal. No, yeah, there's nothing so. wrong with it. Uh, I was just, it's something that I think is going to be an interesting storyline because I think as this golf gets bigger, up to a certain point, media in the past was just like friendly, essentially. Like media was your friend. And so mm-hmm, like there yeah. wasn't going to be, a, like if you played bad that week, the past weekend, they might be like, oh, you know, came in 21st. That's that. Boom, move it on or whatever she came in. I don't know. Definitely not 21st, but um, move on. And like there isn't any criticism right. that happens beyond right. that. But as this golf gets bigger, there's a market for like actually talking about what happened and not worrying about people's feelings and stuff like that. Because if mm-hmm. you look at LeBron James, for instance, mm-hmm. if every game that he choked away a game in the fourth quarter... He couldn't handle the people, and even when he plays decent, he couldn't handle people yeah, talking bad about James, him. Yeah, if LeBron James every time he posts anything on social yeah. media, or Grayson Allen, or pretty much any pretty famous much person, any yeah, like there's gonna be so many people because the more eyes get in the sport, the more people are gonna like you, but also the more people are gonna dislike you, mm-hmm. and the more people that di- the people that dislike you are a lot more vocal than people that like you mm-hmm. because it's a lot easier just to comment and be like you suck than be like, oh my gosh, great job, when like you aren't going to go out of your way as often to mm-hmm. compliment as you are going to go out of your way as often to let your dislikeness, dis- hmm. disapproval be heard, there you go. if that makes sense. So as this golf gets bigger, that's something that these players in general are going to face that they haven't necessarily faced that much in the past. For sure. Um, and it, it, it's just going to keep getting... Uh, I guess you could say worse for them, if that well, makes sense. I guess you could. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to drop some big word. No, I was well, trying to I say, guess like, you could like, say worse. <laughs> well, like worse, I don't think is technically the right answer because it's not like it's it's not bad. Like it means that there's more eyes on the sport right. and you have uh, more fans. It's going to get more intense. But it's going to get, you, there's going to be a larger volume. It's going to get you to how, sort how you say worse. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, as the scholars would say. Worse. Wor- as Aristotle <laughs> would put it, worse. Uh, (laughs) One thing also that was a big storyline coming into this week, and now that we've seen it play out, what are your thoughts on the European return now that we have one tournament with them here? Um, Well, we definitely overreacted. Uh, Well, in a way. I mean, we well, I definitely did. But I don't know how much of that was irony and how much of me was serious when I was doing that, but... (laughs) Uh, I think I, I think I w- where like I- irony just becomes you. you yeah, know I, mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's all one. At You're this point. Ronnie. Thank- I Ronnie. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Hi, I Ronnie. I think that the as far as if we're talking about the the three. Um, yeah, I'm talking Kristen, Evelina, Henna. Right. I'm talking those three. FPO I see Seppo, He played all right. Yeah. No, I'm, just, I'm talking just strictly FPO right they, now. They. Um, did not like they didn't impress me as much as I hoped they would, but you got to remember that it is still the first event of the year, 
and it's their first time back on tour for and not for Kristen, and she obviously did the best of them. But for the other two, um, I will say that Henna really disappointed. Obviously, getting cut, you know that was that was shocking. I think that we just all had really high hopes because we're like, for instance, in the MPO field, we just got the best dose of parody we've ever seen. I mean, you're looking at that leaderboard like during that third round and you're like, there is like 25 guys that can win right now. It, and they're just like, not all like Ricky and Eagle weren't all in the lead either. Like it was, yeah. it was awesome seeing that leaderboard. And I think we just want that so bad for the FPO where we're, we're kind of like over the page and cat era. So I think we we're like, well, at least now if we have a few more in the mix, like that would be so great. And I, I still think it's going to happen. I think like they're not that far off the pace, you know, uh, Kristen was what five strokes off the pace, something like that. So, but I do think, and you know what, probably there's probably a lot of people like us that were like really hyping it up and like, they probably felt some of that pressure. They were like, you know, we are supposed to be, you know, the new ones in town kind of taking over. So, you know, we'll, we're just going to have to wait and see Vegas can be very misleading. It can be very misleading because it's a kind of a unique course. It's four rounds. Like there's a lot of things about it that like, we usually see things happen at Vegas that never happen. That never happen the, the rest of the year, and it makes us always be like, "Oh my gosh, this is the year of such and such player, <laughs> right. or such and such." For instance, now I doubt this will be the case, but like, there, what if Gannon just doesn't even finish in the top three the rest of the year? You know, stuff like that. So it, it's it's tough to say, but I, I'm I'm gonna just like I'm gonna hold my take a little longer. Yeah. Well, I think I'm just gonna wait. <laughs> I think what happened is what I deep down expected to happen but just didn't want to believe i didn't let my mind accept what i knew if that makes sense because yes. like i knew i actually think i said it off air a few times to you and brody that i was like Kristen and evelina and i think i threw henna in there too because i think that in my head they're all still very similarly skilled i was like they're just it's like we're getting three more paging cats it's right. kind of how i knew it but I deeply wanted it to be like we're getting three players better than Paige and Cat. Yeah. To where, mm-hmm. which I don't think that's true. I think that it is the case of Kristen. I'm going to keep Henna in there. I think she just had a bad weekend. I think she did too. Kristen, Henna, and Evelina, I think, are the top of the field with Paige and Cat. Um, and I think that there, it's going to be something where there's going to be some weekends where they look incredible and they're going to beat them. And then there's going to be some weekends like this weekend where. Kristen played very well. Evelina really struggled putting. Henna was kind of all over the place, up and down, and ended up outside the cut. I think that could ha- that could happen to anyone of them yeah. this year. Paige and Cat, I think, are going to be the most consistent of the five. Uh, but I think Kristen is probably going to be the most consistent of the three Europeans. And mm-hmm. then Evelina and Henna will have their, their bright moments. But I do think we probably overhyped him a little bit. Yeah, I just want so bad. I think we wanted we wanted what we were saying to be true so yeah. bad that we tried speaking it into existence we, and it I, didn't exactly work. I want yet. I just want more parity in the FPO division. And I thought we were going to like Haley too. She she, played, she, she played out there. She played, she played okay. okay, but she just doesn't she was quite throwing those zones all over the place, Yeah, man. <laughs> um we didn't see a ton of her on on the coverage. We saw a decent bit and I think she just has a little bit too much inconsistency. Yeah. Um, what'll be interesting is the next pro tour event is Waco and yeah. Waco Kona won by a commanding 12 strokes last year. So it'll be interesting storyline to follow with That's Kona even more pressure going into <laughs> Waco. She won it last year. She had a rough start this year. I believe it's Kona's next tournament. I don't, let me see if she's playing Memorial Waco. No, Waco is her next tournament. Waco is a perfect so, like reset because we go from a course um, we go from a course where it's a lot of like, I feel like in disc golf right now, there are really, if you want to go as 
generic and broad as possible, there's two types of courses. The courses where you don't need really perfect timing off the tee and the courses where you do. And Waco is a course where you do for quite a bit of that course. So like it's going to be it's kind of like you need to look at both events to see how the season is going to play out because you got to see there are certain players who just will not function when they have to hit a 10 like a 5 foot gap off the tee. Yeah. There are certain players who just can't do it. So that's why Waco is a good one to like let's wait and see what happens. And then let's start thinking about what's what's going to go on this year. And then, I mean, they will go back to golf courses for a while. So, yeah, I mean, and also, though, fun fact for you. Uh, well, not really a fun fact. No. Gannon Burr last year at Waco was one of his first, like, yeah, he must breakout performance. He didn't almost win. Or he was, in, was he on the lead card? He was kind of in the mix. I think he made it on the lead card after round one, maybe. Uh, yeah, round one, he was on lead card. Um, and he ended up in 11th place Gannon's, tied with Ricky. What I'll say. So uh, Gannon is a player that now has proven to be able to compete with the top yeah. level on multiple t- style of courses. Whereas like last year, I think it was Ezra broke out or it might've been. Yeah. He came in second. Yeah. Ezra kind of winning, broke out at uh Las Vegas. And then he slowed down. And then Waco, he's finished outside the top 25. I, Whereas Gannon has proven yeah. he can kind of do both. Gannon has so. all the tools. There's Waco's no- a good, like you like you were saying, you yeah. average Waco and Vegas and put them together, and that kind of gives yeah. you a good feel. It's like a little gauge. But yeah, Gannon has all the tools. I don't, like, he because he has the forehand, he has the backhand, he seems to be able to hit lines. His putt is, I mean, he's going to, I would already consider him one of the better putters on tour. Yeah, it was um, thrilling. He, so, he felt like he could make it from anywhere. Yeah. When I watch his game, I don't see a possibility if he's playing that well to where he can't win anything. Yeah, at this point, he he didn't seem to have too many like glaring weaknesses. Of he like, oh well, this hole has X, Y, or Z shot. Gannon just doesn't have it. Right. Um. Which that is just that's true of some players on on tour where like there's some courses they just can't win at. And I agree. I think Gannon is just going to be like, can he consistently do it? But mm-hmm. he he seems yeah. to have. And there's many players nowadays like it where he seems to have just like that next level of, of talent. But let's get actually into MPO. So Drew Gibson actually t- ended up taking this down in a playoff over the man himself, Gannon Burr. Uh, I guess the kid himself, Gannon Burr. Yeah. Only 16 years old. Insane. Keep that in mind. Insane. Uh, Calvin Heinberg was able to finish in third. And then the dark horse result, Trevor won with this pick of Colton Montgomery, what who finished pick. 12th place. Heck what yeah. a dark horse pick to start off the year. Uh, quick storyline before we get into the actual storylines of the tournament. As of right now, let me just make sure by refreshing my page. Correct. As of right now, the payouts still have not been posted. So uh, yeah, I looked yesterday because I was like, I was about, to, I was talking to my wife, and I was like, you know, it is crazy that we're watching this event, and like, it is so hard to win, and the stakes are so high, and the winner is going to win like four grand. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I, was like, I, I kept checking. I was like, this yeah. just can't be real. I like, kept checking, trying to see. When it was updated, I never, I never saw it. Like um, it, it just seems silly. So watching hopefully, all that go hopefully down. it was increased, and the winners can get like six grand or something like that. Um, but I don't. Gallery I don't know was not very big. No, not very big. No. Once everybody person, collected on one hole, it looked a little bit significant. But when you were just watching, like not very loud, not very big. Yeah. And I don't know, like it's Vegas, so I don't know what kind of like there might just not be a lot of people out there. Yeah, I, it is what it it's is. It's just like it, the the galleries right now are dependent fully on the local disc golf scene, yes. essentially, like yeah. the disc golf scene within a few hour radius, or if it's like a major, basically, or if it's a major. Right. But people at this current moment, 
aren't necessarily traveling just to yeah. watch a pro tour. It looked event. like a really fun course to walk and spectate at. Yeah. I mean, unless you were kicking discs back into the fairway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that actually, that's a big storyline at FPO is Cat did have a disc that hit a spectator and bounced back I and know, bounced. and that's like the one shot she won that, by I, one stroke. that I missed. Mm. Apparently, how bad, a, how bad was I it? I didn't see it either, somehow. Uh, oh, I was on my run. Well, I didn't fine. see it. We I was running. The clip. Uh, yeah, I'm a runner. I know. Um, <laughs> apparently, do. it hit a, a hit a kid and the kid felt like really bad about it. Like they felt like they were like well, embarrassed. Here, I mean, by you it. Like can, it was their fault. Which you can it's say, not your fault. Like yeah, you can say whatever you course. want, but spectators getting hit is a part of the game. It happens in yeah, golf. It's a part of the course. It happens in golf too. Like people will get hit and the ball will bounce back into the fairway. Like that's just a break. Yeah, it's a. Break. It's the same thing as like one player hitting and rolling away and one player hitting the exact yeah. same spot and staying. It, like it's one thing if, those some, are just breaks if somebody of it. purposely got in the way or sure. moved, but like if you just hit somebody and it bounces, that's just part. Yeah, of Yeah, what will eventually happen is someone in like a playoff will like. <laughs> the disc will be flying out of bounds they'll like hit it back in bounds yeah. that is a storyline that's something to talk about but mm. as of right now because it happened to Gannon at one point where yeah, his bro. his disc hit a tree it was so and hard then a to spectator's tell. ankle and then rolled back in it was in. so hard to tell because like it's it's falling out of the tree and in real time it just looked like the disc just got pulled by a string or something and just got yanked back and I was like where did that skip yeah in slow-mo and you, you saw him, like the yeah, guy was like trying it. to run away <laughs> and his leg like kicked up and kicked probably the wouldn't have mattered anyways but no insane but like breaks like that that's just part of the sport yeah. players are gonna get them and it is what it is if someone ever kicks a disc back in bounds like intentionally then or hits something it, to talk about then that's that's a storyline but it's still not on the player it's just gonna be on whatever that fan was yeah. or if the opposite happens a disc is coming in a player's spectator <laughs> jumps and swats it, it ob out. farther <laughs> that would be ruthless i don't know what you would do there i don't yeah. know if there's a ruling on i don't think there is like if like if probably not. if there's like a during the playoff, Gan, like it's yeah. Gannon shots coming in over the OB and, and someone just, jumps up and just slaps just the disc farther and Mario OB punch that thing underneath. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Or like what if they literally you go can the jam it and grab it and just chuck it into the woods? Well, that like if the disc has already <laughs> landed, there's rules. Yeah. It's when the disc hasn't landed. What if I can yet? jam? No, but that like thing landed isn't you in your hand. Like you catch. Oh, it. you just catch yeah. it. Yeah, catch it. So he's like a streaker. I don't know what happens. That would be electric. Someone test that. You just don't throw actually. that thing so far into the lake, never found again. Like imagine <laughs> like, oh, that's crazy. That's the crazy thing about disc golf. And you talk about fan sabotage. Like there are discs that are like Gannon was throwing that D one like on every shot. What if somebody grabs that thing and yeets it into the water to where it can't be found? All of a sudden, he doesn't have his go to disc. Like there is crazy that's stipulations. That's why there's got to be security. I'm saying there is some crazy, security. crazy scenarios. That it might happen. be a scenario too where like if you know there's a shot that is going to break, like if you know that this hole, like the OB is very tight or whatever, and back the OB's it up gonna, a little bit. Yeah, you take the spectators, you back them like 15 especially feet when, off. Especially so when like, there are so many shots that curl out and in. Yeah, which like, I think is electric. If a spectator gets hit at that point, it's like 15 feet OB. Right. To where like it it probably isn't going to affect it yeah. inbounds or out of bounds. When you're right. right up on the OB line, that's when you see kind of what we're seeing now. But again, there's nothing wrong with it right now. Yeah. It's just something could be wrong with it in the future. But Gannon played incredible all weekend. Uh, he was faced with stressful putt over and over and over and cold. as a 16 year old just hit them all it that's the like. thing is you know obviously in the end he did lose but 
when you talk about having the killer instinct to win and knowing how to win, he clearly knows how because he could have won that tournament five times because he was making the putt on all those playoff yeah. holes when he had to. He was forcing Drew to have to play right. as good as Drew did. Absolutely. Like, if Drew messed up once, he lost. And at the end of the they, day, they were both just right. killers yeah. the let's, entire let's, round. Yeah, let's not even mention Drew's putting was insane. Like, yeah. Talk about one of the like one of the most streaky putters on tour previously has now become some a guy who's just going to make yeah, it when he EV7 to. took a huge risk not not a huge risk but when EV7 sponsored Drew we were like interesting I think we even <laughs> said it like Drew is not known for his putter like his putter is known for what holds him back and we were like this could be great for EV7 if his putting turns around but it also could be like a weird one if he mm-hmm. didn't his, his putting, putting turned fantastic. around and yeah but back to Gannon the thing is um even when he did end up missing his putt to lose, he missed high through a good putt. Like yeah. it was, and it was a long one. Well, and the, the only reason he was in the playoff, well, not the only reason, because obviously there's shots all over the place, but it's the most he got a bad obvious break one out is, of yeah, he threw a great shot. Well, that being, I mean, well, it looked like a great shot yeah. that skipped. And I understand what Philo and Ian were saying. Well, is like, why challenge the top? Just throw I it think, low into the front of the hill and let it skip up. I think but, it's a very obvious case of he was trying to do that and had adrenaline going and just gassed yeah, it. Yeah, but it, bit. it was. It still wasn't a bad. It shot. It wasn't a bad shot. Like, he got a bad skip. You throw that shot ten times, probably. Seven of them are within the within the bullseye. Right. That like ten foot. Yeah, circle. I, they were all like, I don't know why you challenged the plateau. I'm like, I don't think he was trying to. Yeah, I think he, just, he, I think good, he just had adrenaline going. And, he and threw a good it. shot, and it just got a very unfortunate roll. Ob, and then he still had that twenty foot putt to make sure yeah. he even made the playoff. Putting, and he was insane. able to regather himself. And he make it. is like the new like James Conrad, where he gets. Anywhere within fifty feet of the basket, I'm like, yeah, he's making this. Yeah, like it just seems like, and he knows he's making. Well, that's it the other too. thing too. He's is just like, got that attitude where he knows he's going to make. He it. missed the putt to win, so I guess he, like on, but it was on the like fourth playoff hole. Because that's the other thing too. You got to factor in that was the putt to push, or putt to push. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the putt that lost in the tournament right. is what I was meant to say. But so some people might be like, oh man, killer instinct. He didn't have it. Well. But. He could have he won made it times. through four playoff holes. Right, like, and it was it was on the somebody was going to miss eventually. Yeah, like when when's the last time we've seen a playoff go that long? Right, that he was, was also thrilling. he was also going first, which was pressure because well, they were, yeah, that's Drew a, had the opportunity to lay up. I which, did like that new playoff rule where you flip flopped who went first. Yeah, that's fun. So it didn't, and it did. It also doesn't go off the previous hole. It's a randomly I, assigned. I don't know how they randomly assigned it, yeah. but it's randomly assigned who goes flip first on hole one. And then after that, you flip flopped who had I the tee. I was mega bummed that they, and then luckily it didn't matter because they actually ended up getting to an interesting playoff hole. But the fact that they started on the most boring hole on that course, it's that hole 18 is the type of hole you want for a playoff. There's spectators all down the right. You've got options, you've got a really difficult hole. Just walk back to the tee and play 18 again. It would have been an awesome playoff hole. Instead, they're like, yeah, let's go to the wide open forehand or backhand shot. Yeah. It was very dumb. I'm glad it made it to hole five because at least that hole, I mean, that hole is ruthless. Well, it's technically hole, what, seven? Or is it seven? Yeah, seven. Yeah. That hole is ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> Those bunkers, man. Oh, it, yeah. It was, uh, I was nervous when Drew laid up. I was like, oh, I don't really like that because I feel like worst case scenario, he would have just tossed it into the bunker and been in the same shoes. Because all I was thinking is like that layup putt That's terrifying. is going to be so scary, but yeah. he did it. So props, he executed. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't, I saw people like talking about how genius it was to lay up there. And I was like, I just don't like it. I wouldn't have done it just because be, it's another one where you like, you know, Gannon best case, best case scenario is taking a three. Right. If you throw the Heiser shot, worst realistically, case. worst case scenario, you're going to have a putt at three. Mm-hmm. I guess worst, worst case scenario is you're short on the green on that like golf green. Right. But for Drew, that's not really a thought yeah. because you're throwing so far. So like, more than likely, you're going to be in the bunker. Probably worst even case closer scenario. than Gannon, yeah. too, because Gannon was pretty far. With a putt 
to at least push. Yeah. Laying up, you now have to execute two shots. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was the whole it, thing. It is, doubled the amount of shots. And if you, you miss that second one and go OB, it's it. It's and over. And the first one you haven't really practiced. Yeah. Because all weekend you've been going for right. the greens. So and now you layup, have a tough jokery yeah, layup. That layup was kind of tough. He just kind of walked up and threw it. And yeah. I was like, Oof. Uh, yeah. But I hey, was terrified. But when I saw him throwing a putter, I was like, what are you doing? Because I, I was like, you <laughs> might just hand this to Gannon. If you mess up the layup, the first layup or the second layup, you literally handed it to Gannon. Yeah. Because then Gannon just has to lay up out of the bunker and tap out a four. It was. It was pretty, it was pretty it, it impressive, though. Drew's, Drew's clutch. Yeah, yeah so very clutch. Drew actually, round one, he shot only a five under, which was six back of the lead and yeah. outside of the top what 40. A comeback. This has to be one of the first times that a player, after one round, has been outside the top 40 and came back to win in disc golf. Some of those Paul Worlds back in the day, yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> so I mean, it, like part seven of it rounds, is just though. like the Las Vegas over the four rounds, there wasn't much scoring separation. No. So, being outside the top 40, we have to remember he was only five back of the league. Right. So, five back, five strokes through three rounds, not as impressive as being like, dude, he was in like 45th and then right. came back. Um, but regardless, very impressive stuff no matter what. Because, I mean, that's like, what, 10th card? 9th card? Yeah. yeah. And then came back to win. Uh, and then some other storylines um, beyond Drew and Gannon's incredible play. We had Ricky finishing in 7th, losing by 7. Yeah, Eagle finishing 21st and losing by 12. Kale LaVisca missed cash for the first time in over 13 years at this oh event. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Which Why? means That's crazy. And then Nate Sexton had to birdie his last four holes of round three to extend his almost 14-year cash streak. But he didn't have the longest active going into the tournament because he was 47 tournaments shy of Kale's, according to Old Two World. But Sexton now has the longest active cash streak. He got it, though. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because when Kale Sheesh. lost it, Sexton was second. But yeah, Kale, first time missing cash in over 13 years. We're gonna, so that's that's like I think we're going to hear about one of those like each week right now. Is that 2009? Last last time he missed cash? 14 years? 13. Oh, 13 years? Yeah. Yeah, 2009. That was crazy. the last time Kale Visca missed cash. Days. I think we're going to literally hear about stuff like that each week. If Well, anytime there's a cut. Because... Yeah. There is just like so many guys. Oh, some other notable hey, players. There's a lot of guys that yeah. can play. Some I mean, other notable players to miss the cut. Corey Ellis, Chris Clemens, Greg Barsby, Austin Hannum, Tim Barham, Emerson Keith, Nate Perkins, just to name some. They all missed the cut this weekend. Now, electric. is this because of how little scoring separation the course the had? That's all I got to say. <laughs> is this because of how little <laughs> scoring separation the course a, had? That is a big part of or it. Or is it just signs of how deep the MPO field is? I or is it like just a perfect mixture? I think there's... I think there's a little bit of mixture, but I do think Vegas, if you can just play clean golf, you can you can really hang around on that course. And if you have a little bit of distance to kind of like not have to throw super far on those approaches, like it's yeah, I don't think there was a lot of scoring separation. I, I'm hoping I'm hoping this isn't true. I'm hoping it's not just like this was the Vegas wide open course effect. And like we go to Waco and it's like the old days where it's like, all right, there's three guys in contention because I loved that leaderboard. And I, I'm, I'm really thinking that there's enough guys now that are so good that we're going to start seeing more of that where there's like at least, you know, five, six guys going in the last day that can win. Because like, I, I don't, don't think that's going to happen every weekend because there's no, always going to be some, someone will, be, will tear up the course. Yeah, there will be an event. Obviously, there's always going to be events where guys will separate and just really pull away. But I, w- I would take that every week where you're just like, yeah. you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I do I do want to see the, basically, I, w- I would love to see what we just saw on a course like Waco or at a tournament like Ledgestone, where mm-hmm. it's a very hard course. And because like, we've seen tournaments like this before at like the Preserve, where it's a very quote unquote easy course, easy for the top player course. Yeah. 
uh, to where they're able to shoot basically double digits or better every round. And it, there's not a lot of scoring separation because the holes that you've got to birdie or is like everyone's able to birdie them. And then the holes that you can't birdie, like no one's able to get them. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a hole. There's not a lot of holes out there where you can take a two or a five. Right. Like there's not that type of swing holes. So on courses like that, it's very easy for there to be a lot of people in contention. What's going to really excite me is when there is a course where there's a lot of separation and there's still, so then like, it might not necessarily look like you have the whole top 10 within like two strokes of each other, but you might have the whole top 10 within five. Right. And that's the same type of scenario where five strokes means nothing because realistically, like even at this tournament, Dickerson going into the final round was one of the players that was in contention and somewhat off the pace and he ended up losing by nine yeah right dickerson yeah he shot he lost four strokes same with ricky and eagle look at how much they lost by and they were right in right in it yeah so (laughs) they lost by a ton yeah that's what i'm saying it's like everyone was kind of like in the mix a little bit i think dickerson might have been it looks like he lost by eight to burr the final round or no he lost by what, what am i talking about he lost by one to Burr the final round, so he must have been down eight to Burr. But at some point in the tournament, Dickerson was right there. After it. round two. Round three is where he lost seven, six strokes. Yeah. Uh, but like there were so many players that were like that, where they were right in it. And then you had so many players, like at one point, Calvin Heimberg, who ended up in third, he did that from third card. And at one point, he was in the lead through more holes, but he was at like 38 or something under. thirty. It must have been 36 under. And like Gannon and Drew and then were having to like try to catch up to Calvin. Yeah. And Calvin was on third card. Same thing with Kevin Jones. These these guys were doing that from like second, third, fourth card and being able to like push and set a line of like, hey, you have to catch us. Yeah. Which is thrilling to me. And that's something where our live coverage, I thought, did a great job is like we got to see that. We saw a lot. Yeah. And I the one thing I do like about the four round format uh, is that when you, you it's so evident when you look at the leader, you just look at that PGA scoreboard almost every player near that top had one bad round. So it almost seems like you need four rounds to have each player have one round that isn't quite as good, and that's what creates all that mixture. Because if you have three rounds, some guy can get hot and just pull away. Where if there's that fourth round, it's like... Someone's going to do one something. One out of four, you're going to do something you, like bad. You're going to have a bad round, or you're going to have the crazy good round in there. And it almost like always creates a little more drama when there's four rounds. Yeah. Now, before we talk too much about the coverage, I do want to talk about our points from predictions. So we, on the prediction show or the preview show on last Wednesday, we all took our top three for MPO and FPO and then a dark horse uh, bonus. So in case, just a little refresher, if you have the correct person in your top three, but they're in the wrong spot, you get one point. If you have the correct person in the correct spot in your top three, you get three points. Uh, for both MPO and FPO, and then Trevor won the Dark Horse, so Trevor gets a one-point Dark Horse bonus. That'll be whoever wins the Dark Horse each week will get one extra point. So I had Calvin was my only correct one in MPO. I didn't have him in the right spot, so I get one point. In FPO, I had my top three correct and Paige in the correct spot, which gave me five points, so I got six points total. Trevor had Calvin in the in his top three in the wrong spot, so he gets one point. Kristen in her, his top three in the wrong spot, he gets another point, and then the Dark Horse bonus, so Trevor is at three points. And then Connor had Calvin in his top three in the right spot, gets him three points, and had Katrina in his top three and predicted for the win, so he gets three points there as well. So Connor got six points, I got six points, Trevor got three points. So that's the roundup after the Las Vegas Challenge. Um, Yeah, I, I going in, like, after I looked at the leaderboard, I was like, dude, there's no way anyone's close to me. I got the full top three FPO right, and then I got Paige in the right spot. But then Connor got... So Calvin in the right spot on MPO, even though his other two in MPO is wrong. 
So boom, boom. It's okay. I did a last minute pick on this one. The next one, I'm going to put a lot of thought into it, and, and none, none of them. I was going to say, so you'll just get no hit. points. Yeah, no yeah, points. That's, that's the key. The key. You can count on that. That's the key. All right, so let's talk about the coverage. I personally was overall very impressed, very happy with the Disc Golf Network coverage of this event. There is pretty much no downtime between holes or shots, and if there yeah. was, they were able to fill it with stats or replays or commercial breaks or something that at least like added to the stream. Mm-hmm. Like there, We were not at any point just watching people walk up fairways, yeah. which is what happened previously. Yeah, switching was really was solid. Um, we saw also a ton of golf. And in a tournament like this, it was super exciting because you had Calvin, Rick, Kevin Jones, AB, etc., all making runs for the lead at different times. And on the live coverage, we were able to see the highlights of all those things unfold. Right. And players that had were in the mix and had fallen out, we didn't watch because there was no yeah. point. They weren't in there. And that's exactly what live should be. It's a completely different product than post. And this what it does is it separates it to where, like, in years past, you're watching almost the same thing. Whether you're right. watching Jomez lead or live, it was just like live, you're watching it live, but you're watching it for four hours. Or Jomez, you can watch it the next day for 30 minutes. Right. And that's why there was so much contention and it felt like both couldn't exist right. because both were trying to occupy the same space. Mm-hmm. Mm. This weekend was exactly how it should be, where yeah. live occupies we an saw entirely like, different space. We saw like 30 different golfers yeah. on any given day. You were seeing, like if Calvin would have won from third card, there wasn't a car a post-produced coverage that was going to cover that. Yeah. But live was able to cover it all. That, that's, that's what's going to really start switching people around is when that something like that happens yeah and they're like well we have no option to watch that because but this is how both exist though it's like right. the live coverage you're watching golf from and it was the same on fpu golf from 15 people who might be in contention or at least doing something cool on the course you get to see all of that and it makes the four hours go by a lot faster than when we're just watching one card oh yeah it and then post produce is like I love Chris Dickerson. I want to see every one of his shots because mm-hmm. live, you're not going to see every one of every single person's shots. That's not what live is for. Well, if they're if they're if playing they're, if, if they're, they're playing okay and they're on the lead card, you will. Sure. Well, if they're yeah, if they're in contention for the win, you will. But if you are just a big fan of Ricky, for instance, yeah, this weekend, you can't bank on it. You're not going to see every shot of Ricky. Whereas on post produce, if Ricky's on one of the cards, even if he has a bad round, as a Ricky fan, you can go watch. You every can watch stroke. it unfold. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's like a 30 minute recap. So I think that's kind of where the two live. And that's how both coexist is like, there's going to be people who watch live and are like, man, but like what actually happened to Rick out there mm-hmm. or what actually happened to so-and-so out there? And then you watch the post-produce. Whereas before, if you watched live, you weren't also watching post-produce cause they're, you're watching the same thing. Right now people are going to be able to watch both and get benefits from both. And I also loved that the Las Vegas challenge was free to PDGA members because it was free all weekend to PGA members. Cause I saw a mm-hmm. lot of people on social media and stuff posting. Like I gave live a chance this weekend because it was free to me. And they're like, I'm definitely paying for disc golf network before Waco because I loved it. It'll, it'll change you quick. It is just so much better. I, yeah, I think that they did. Um, all the critiques that I had for it are not major. Cause the switching is like very crucial and they did a good job with that. The only things that I really noted were there were times where the audio mixing wasn't great. One of like the commentators' mics would come in hot, uh, but they usually fixed it pretty quickly, so that wasn't a big deal. Um, the other one is, and this is kind of a plus. This one's kind of a plus and minus, but they were experimenting with different shots. Um, yeah, a lot. So you're gonna you saw I saw a couple one shot that I really liked. They obviously had the drone, which was awesome. I think they overused it a little bit early, but then they figured it they out. figured it out by yeah. the end. They by were the using end, it at happy. the right time, and, and it was great. They they seem to have really good. The drone first round, pilots. I tweeted and said, uh, "So you guys think the disc golf network yeah, has a drone?" It was it was pretty. <laughs> it was like every every other shot we were yeah. seeing a drone in between. I was like, 
we don't need to see this every time. But <laughs> I liked the uh, like like in the final round, like they would start in on the like somebody's walking up to their disc, and they'd start in on the disc and zoom out to the shot, like to, to like that. That's a cool shot. The only thing one I didn't like that they were going to a lot is face on on the player while they're throwing. And the problem with that, it's it's an okay shot. That's fine. But the problem is they were cutting away too late. So we were... You lost context. We were, yeah, we were losing what was happening in the shot. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that would happen occasionally is they would wait a little too... They would throw a shot and it'd be going to a basket that was a little bit blind or behind a bush and they'd switch a little late to where you weren't, you weren't seeing the disc. I think it was most notably on Paige's run on the whole 18. Yeah. It if that switched. thing would have went in, yeah. I would have been pissed. It switched and the disc had already like landed. And I was like, well, that was late. Like, yeah. You got On that shot, the only thing that matters is the basket. So yeah. as soon as that thing comes out of her hand, switch, switch that thing. You got to switch. Mm-hmm. So that, th- but everything that they're doing wrong per se is very fixable. They're making and they're, steps in the right direction. Yeah, and they're learning. It. Now the commentary, um, that's a whole nother thing. I don't know. Are we, about, are we going, going into that next? Yeah, whatever okay. you wanted to go to. So commentary, um, and this is like always the subject, I feel like, but it was not great. It, it was, got worse as the weekend went on. It wasn't un, it's not like it was unlistenable. Let's make that no. clear. It's not like it, and it's not like it took away from my experience. It just kept frustrating me a few times. Uh, Philo, I thought was pretty good. I thought Philo did a good job being the color commentary guy. I give Philo an A minus. Yeah, I Ian, thought he provided a lot of good insights and he also provided good like on Gannon's final shot for instance talking about like you know what you got to be thinking about though is that wrist so you got to be going low into the front hill and letting it slide yeah. like stuff where he's yeah. been there so yeah. he can describe what you should do mm-hmm. that's exactly what a color commentator could should do yeah Philo did and a great he, job he was great in that role and Ian on the other hand was a little all over the place he was, he was flustered to say one word the, the disc naming thing I'll let you explain the disc naming thing we we actually were talking about that in a Twitter space uh, yeah. after round three I'll let Hunter talk about that but it, Ian just seemed a little bit flustered he kept he just kept saying things that were wrong basically and then sometimes Philo would correct him and sometimes he wouldn't well it's uh, a weird spot to be he the, kept the calling, other person on the commentary team yeah. be like hey that's wrong exactly you don't want to keep exactly. doing that the entire yeah. broadcast because you don't know how much the audience knows if he was wrong yeah. like he kept like things like just continually calling Gannon our leader when he wasn't leading the tournament and then he'd be like well actually technically Calvin's leading but he's a few like we know that but he's not the leader of the tournament so yeah. don't call him the leader um, you know there were just a lot of little things that just kept adding up to where he just kept saying things that are incorrect uh, the whole, and then like, when it, like Terry, whenever they'd throw it over to Terry, it seemed like he was never in the right spot. No, they never knew where Terry was. They never knew where Terry was. <laughs> Which so is very frustrating. Every time they throw they'd it to like, Terry. Oh, dude, that looks like it might be OB. Terry, uh, is that like, OB? And Terry's like, I'm actually behind the players yeah. right now. I can see about as much as you can. Exactly. Or, <laughs> and I was like, okay. Or my favorite one, my favorite one was uh, Gannon putting on one of the playoff holes and they go, all right, Terry, uh, like you could tell Terry was like locked in the moment and like you got to be like, a, <laughs> I don't know, he goes, all right, Terry, what kind of slope is he dealing with there? And he goes, uh, not much. There's not really a slope, guys. And that's it. Like, that's why, hey, there's not really a slope. slope he must have been like right next to the yeah. Drew throwing. And like, something. and it was just like, what the heck? Like, well, there was also a few times where, where <laughs> a disc like went OB or like close to OB and Ian's like, we can't, we can't see where that went. Terry, did you get eyes on it? Yeah. And this is what we heard. Right, and the, then, the, and then the Ian problem go, was all right. And next up, we every, <laughs> every time they wanted to use Terry was it wasn't planned, w- right? And it was always about OB lines. And like Terry is only one person. There's a reason why on course reporters are typically 
like, A, you're typically down the fairway. So you're typically actually seeing where this land, you're not behind people. And B, like, you know, ask him about the wind, you know, ask him about things that you know that he'll know. Like, no matter also, where he's at on the course, and also, he can tell you. How about, like, before the hole starts, somebody in your ear, hey, by the way, this is where Terry is. So this is what he'll be able to see. Or, like, or just, I think it would be my idea. It was is, rough. Every time, they, I don't think they threw it at Terry once, and I was like, Great segment, and it wasn't guys. on. Ter- it wasn't Terry's fault. They no, just, no, you could I don't tell, think so. You could uh, Terry tell was Terry was trying, just man. Thrown stuff at, and yeah. he was just like, "Tough uh, job, uh, tough job." <laughs> it, it, it felt like, like I to me, the on course reporter should almost be letting them know or like texting someone like. I've got something great. Throw it to me when you have a second. Right. Find a little story. Like, yeah. That's yeah. A- be like, hey, wind's really picking up. Throw it to me. I can describe it. Or be like, hey, I I, I overheard so and so talking about their their game plan for the next hole. Like, you gotta you well, gotta be like, a little like, bit of a reporter. When I was at a, reporter I was at a there. basketball game and the like reporter for ESPN, I was watching her because she was like in front of where we were sitting, and I noticed that like a timeout's called, and whichever team was like in a pressing she moment she huddle. went over and was leaning in mm-hmm. listening and then immediately walked to the tunnel yeah. and was like yeah you know in the time i didn't hear what she said obviously because i was at the game but you know what they're saying it was like in the timeout the coach was saying blah 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 because she was Discovery adding something that too yeah she was adding like, something that the commentators couldn't tell right. i think that's the point terry should do if a disc is close to ob like oh man that thing it looks like it's challenging the ob we'll have to see when we get up there Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you don't have to be like, oh, did that did that go OB? We have no idea. We're we're in Milwaukee right now. We can't see it. <laughs> right. Like that doesn't just none of us know if it went OB. Just leave it at that. And if Terry if Terry hears that, he can immediately radio in and be like, that is OB or something right. like that. But if he didn't, don't throw it to Terry and just cross your fingers that he's standing close enough to know. Exactly. Uh, exactly. The disc naming thing was it was a little out of hand this weekend. It was to be bad. Honest. It was bad. The issue I have a few issues with it. Number one. This isn't the biggest issue, but from the Disc Golf Network's perspective, people still don't understand this, so I'm not going to park on it because, again, this isn't the biggest issue I have with it, and people think it is. It is free advertising from the Disc Golf Network for these companies. Not the biggest issue, not the reason I think it should be gotten rid of, but that is something that you, you can't get around that. Yes, the companies are paying the players to be on lead card, but again, companies pay players, players are on lead card. The Disc Golf Network provides the advertising with getting $0 from it. Mm-hmm. If you're going to advertise as a business, you yeah. need to be paid for that advertising. That's not the biggest issue. The issue I had was nine times out of 10 that it was used this weekend added nothing. It added no value. Yeah. It almost it, it felt almost like it was Ian's thing. And so Ian used it as a crutch of like, I don't know what to say in this moment. Yeah, no, and so 100%. it's like, here's I don't know what to say in this moment. So here's Calvin with his Draco. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I got to hear Calvin with his Draco one more time, like I know he's throwing an overstable fairway. That's what I'm saying is <laughs> that if the great, a great use of it was Drew Gibson going jokery on yeah. the playoff hole. Like, oh, it looks That's like he's throwing jokery. Use. Yeah. That is, that because adds to the at shot. At that point, I don't care that you told me it's the jokery or it's an overstable putter. I don't care that part. I now, as a fan, was got something I didn't know. Now, it, I will led, say. it led me to be like, Oh shoot! He's going putter. He's laying up. Now I will yeah, say, yeah. Uh, we obviously know what a jokery is, and I'll have to rewatch the clip because I don't remember if he did. He say putter. I think he said uh, overstable approach. Okay, because that's important. Is you need to also name what the disc is if yeah. you're not. Gonna, my biggest problem though, like I just I, didn't like when like <laughs> Calvin or AB is driving a wide open hole, and he's like, "All right, here's his destroyer." Like, nah, dip. He's an end of a player with a 500 foot shot. Yeah, like, like <laughs> if he course. threw that with a putter, then tell me. But like, you don't. Add something. Give, right. If you're, ta- you're going to talk, give me something I can't see. Right. 
Yeah, and then my well, my biggest problem was the fact that I think he was like eighty percent correct. If like, even it was like one, of, it was one of the worst. And it was, I've oh, seen. that's the other thing that's super frustrating. He's like, man, AB's going with a gator here, and then it's a flip up T bird shot. Yeah. It's like what? And then, or they were like one at one point. Calvin had a uh, somewhat important shot, and instead of saying telling me anything about the shot, they just went Philo Andy and went back and forth on whether or not it was a luster firebird. Then it flipped up, and they're like, oh, it must not be a firebird. Instead of being like, oh, that's flipping, bringing OB in. They're like, yeah, it must not have been a firebird for it to flip up like that. Yeah, you know, maybe it's something like a T-bird. Yeah. And then he parked it. I'm like, that you just spent well, 15 seconds while Calvin's worst, running up and throwing, debating if it's a firebird or not, which does nothing to me, the viewer. The worst one, and you want to talk about free advertising, was him naming Haley King's overstable approach disc as a zone all weekend until like the last round. When she's wearing Innova on her back, <laughs> like you know that she got yeah. sponsored by Innova, and you know that's a Gator, or you or better a pig or, or something. Or something. But uh, like that, now we're talking about the, that's this is where the advertising thing comes into play. Because like, Discraft just got advertising, and Innova's the one paying her. Like, yeah. oh man, that like that's just you just can't do that. No, and it, and, and it, you and you avoid this problem entirely. Because I agree, sometimes I like hearing the names of the disc. It's part of disc, but I like it when it surprises me. Right, but like. You avoid that issue when all you say is she's going with an overstable approach disc here. Well, what I would mm-hmm. like to know is, it, as a fan, they all fly the same. Would it? Would it give me? <laughs> Gosh. Now off the tee again. When we're just I think talking we're in the minority here too. I think we're gonna get we are. crushed. We are. But you can't. Care. You can't deny know, that, wanna, that he wanna, got it wrong so many times. I want to ask you the people who are about to type your comment and hate on me. I want to ask you this question. Two questions. One. Did you genuinely feel like it added something to your experience when it was a obvious answer? Like Gannon is throwing his D1. Once he's called that D1 out once, right? we know that disc. We yes. don't need to hear it. Every single T that Gannon steps on, we don't need to hear it. You're like, oh, you're telling me that Did that add to you? is still a D1? You're kidding me. You're, there's had to be something else in that moment. That he threw like two added. discs the whole like last round. A great example of where it added was when Gannon on the uh, second to last playoff hole changed discs was and went to like that whatever that like zone type prodigy disc is or even deflect what is it called the, the uh, res- it reverb with, no the reverb's a driver it's a it starts with a D the defibrillator <laughs> it's something Kevin Jones knew the distortion disc. distortion give me that boom ten points to Gryffindor uh, when Gannon was throwing the distortion. That was a great use of the disc well, name here's another because one. it added to me because I was thinking he's going to go with a distance driver or something. He's going yeah. putter. It's like, what the heck? That's surprising. Great use. Well, here's another one. When he, the very next hole, he did name the D1, but the reason he named it is because he had thrown a D3 and parked it. And he switched it and up. He, so he switched. He said he's actually switching to the D1. That good use. makes sense. Uh, the second question that I have, though, is what value you got from the disc name would you have got less value if on Haley King's approaches they said, oh, it looks like she's going with an overstable approach disc? Or, yeah. oh, man, it looks like Gannon's throwing that forehand approach disc he's been throwing all around. The only time I think I want to know a disc name, and or, as yeah. somebody who's a disc golf enthusiast, I'm going to be able to figure it out pretty quickly. But, I mean, there's in And the if you're not everywhere. a disc golf enthusiast, does the disc name even help you? Because right. well, the, the if, only- if, when they said Scepter, Drew Gibson's throwing a Scepter, with how involved I am in the sport, that disc name meant nothing to me. Because yeah. I've never thrown a scepter. Right. So they're like, Drew's throwing a scepter. I'm like, okay, what does the scepter do? I said, the only time Explain I want to know... Me. I don't know. The only time I want to know a disc name is if somebody is throwing a disc like all around and it's doing something absolutely puzzling where I'm like, I don't even know. What could that disc be? Because that's what be? someone yeah, else said yeah. is they were like, 
because I was saying how if they just say the disc name, kind of like I just said with Drew Scepter, if you don't aren't in disc golf enough and you just the first time you've ever heard of a T-Bird is when Calvin threw it and then it flips up and rides to the right. I mean, pretty I'm thinking like, you oh my, we're, this happened to me multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every in the bag we talk about a T-Bird <laughs> and then you buy it and it's very overstable. Why? Because that T-Bird's been in their bag for years. They also throw harder. Yeah. yeah. A lot. And so then someone was responded and they're like, well, as a as a disc golf fan, if they say Firebird and the Firebird flips, like I know that's a beat in Firebird. I'm like, okay, but the brand new player doesn't. Mm-hmm, so the right. brand new players would be like, oh, dude, that Firebird that just flipped up, like it literally Heiser flipped and that rode straight. High, that's a sick disc. I need to go get it. No Firebird does that. <laughs> you're going to go buy a Firebird and you're going to be so ticked off. Instead of being like, oh man, this is a really well-seasoned, overstable disc. It's going to have this flight characteristic. I th- that adds I a think lot. it just comes down to uh, before each drive, Ian has to just ask himself, or before each shot, does me naming the disc actually add something to this shot? Like, like is, is it, it su- if, and It's it, a good rule of thumb of like, am I surprised by this selection? Right. Then exactly. do it. If, one, if you go, oh, he's going with that, then maybe name it. But if it's just like, Yep, wide open forehand. He's throwing a destroyer. Well, of course he is. If he's throwing a felon because it's Ricky, well, yeah, of course he is. Yeah. There you have it. There you have it. That's that. <laughs> uh, go it, ahead, roast us. We're, I'm bring, not, you're not bringing my mind. DOS back to the no, group, baby. don't do that. Don't do that. Dawson Philo. Overall, though, <laughs> overall, though, the Disc Golf Network coverage this weekend, very great. I Incredible. Think, the best, I think it was the best coverage they've put out. Honestly, I think, I think things are really going to, come full circle whenever Sexton retires to the booth because I think well, Sexton's a color the commentary is, the problem is the Sexton's issue... a color guy but I think I think you almost I, you either do this two ways you gotta either hire a play by play guy yeah. who is a professional commentator and like that's what they do they've studied it they do because it is a real like actual study it is hard to do it's not an easy job or you're gonna have to find a, a disc golf guy who's good at it and like just doesn't want to do color. Maybe that, the disc golf guy. Because that, that is the issue. If you toss a play-by-play <laughs> guy in who is a disc golf guy, they're going to not want to shut up about the shot. Yeah. And like, I don't blame them. Because like they, Sexton... Because like Nate Doss has a better career than Philo. So like if he's the play-by-play guy, he's going to want to add to the shot. No, that's too. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing is like Philo, Sexton, Doss, they would not be good play-by-play commentators. Because it's their hard to role, take a back seat. Yeah. When, yeah. Their role is like they have this wealth of knowledge from years on tour and their role is to spill that through the screen to us. Yeah. And normally, though, that because like commentary, you're never going to get it 100% right. There's no, always going to be no. someone that dislikes whatever commentary you do. The thing, though, is usually it's the color commentary that people dislike. Usually yeah. the play-by-play guy is just in the background. He's just he's doing play-by-play. W- he doesn't like... Yeah. It's hard to dislike a play-by-play guy. And my last but, critique with... And another thing with Ian that could be tough is Ian is buddies with a lot of the disc golf guys... Whereas if you just hire somebody who's a professional commentator, they're going to be objective because I I didn't feel like Ian this week did too, too much of rooting. Like he, it's he not as much it's it, not as much rooting, but it's acting sad every time a disc rolls out of bounds. That doesn't and, bother me. But you never like you just they, those guys will never say that was an awful shot. You know? No, they did. Not enough. They're, he literally at one point page through a jump on. He goes, "What was that?" <laughs> Which is hilarious. Well, I mean, I that, loved that. That was one example. And but then they I, also, I don't know. Someone I see, pulled it wide. It landed on the green. He's like, "Man, that was just an awful yank." I see too much. And I he see, called shots shanks. He I, did it all weekend. All right, calm down. No, I refuse. I I stand with Ian. <laughs> I hear. I just hear too much. Like, oh no, no, no. Like you, it's 
it's the the example the bad examples just stand out for me too much. A shot's coasting OB and you hear him go, Oh no, 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 like stay like that's gonna go out of bounds, stay in bounds. Like you you hear them being like that upset about yeah, it. Like, that I don't bother me. It bothers me. I wanna I want more objectivity. That's all I that's all I ask. But for. if you take all personality out and you have a robot, like let's just why don't we just have Siri commentary? No, you don't you can have excitement. Just have someone typing. You're just Draco you're not gonna hear Jim, you're not gonna hear Jim Nance go like oh man that is such a bummer that one in the water like oh I feel so bad for him they, right I now. didn't hear Ian once say felt so bad for him oh I did feel so bad for them I heard I heard him say that he felt bad for players I promise maybe you someone I did. who was like literally blowing up on the yeah brink of like that's what, but that's what I'm saying like you, I don't want to hear a commentator say that I bet you could find clips someone actually because Brody brought this up once and then got destroyed by plenty of clips of NFL the, golf the clips and that, other the ones. The clips that kept getting brought to Brody were from local broadcasters though. And they, no, those are no. biased. There were some from PGA Tour. What was the clip? Where it's like rolling OB and they're like, oh stop, stop. Oh, and there it goes. Right. But that wasn't that wasn't that doesn't mean it was good commentary though. We never said other sports commentary is perfect. That's the problem. People kept bringing those examples like we said golf commentary is completely perfect. Well, that's what They just do it better most of the time. That was said you would never you you literally just said you would never hear I don't Jim, Jim Nance. Nance. Well, Jim Nance is the best though. And I'm I just that, saying, that clip wasn't Jim Nance. You can't you can't say you would never hear like someone's okay, going to find would, me find me a Jim Nance okay, clip fine. DM it to Trevor. Change my statement. <laughs> you would very rarely if ever hear And I very a rarely like heard Ian say it this weekend. I don't know. I hear him sympathize with players way too often. That's all. I, I, uh, that, every that time will a, never bother when me. a shot is thrown, unless he's doing I it feel for like one player and not for the other, it'll never when bother When a me. shot is thrown, I feel like Ian is on their team when he's talking about the shot a lot of the times. But that's fine as long as he's on everyone. I just don't like it. Really being... And that's my opinion. Not being non-objective would be if he was only doing it to one player. Like if, if, if in the playoff, he's like, oh, Gannon's win OB. This means Drew's going to have a shot at the win. I, that's fine. And Drew's win OB. He's like, oh... Drew Gibson's shot just went OB. Gannon Burr has a shot. That's, that's not being objective. That's fine. But I just, if both I, upset him, well, that's fine. That's I, I just don't like it. That's, that's all fine. I'm, that's all I'm saying. That's I'm, fine. Because I think, like, one thing, which is the, the disc naming, like, that is just general. That doesn't well, like add it. anything. I'm just kidding. I'm no, that's fine. That doesn't <laughs> add anything. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. No, because that disc naming... Uh, Disc I would love shaming. someone to show some, show me disc where I love someone to <laughs> point out where it, it adds it adds to the stream. The disc naming in certain scenarios does when it's surprising, but I would love to know when every single not a graphic, but the commentator that's what they say every single shot where that adds to the stream because it just can't. especially because like, like in disc golf in a big tournament, like players are going to throw the same disc so many times. Yeah. Like, especially on an open course like especially this. on an open course where you don't need a specific flight you need straight hyzer hyzer flip and overstable like <laughs> there's like three different shots you even need so yeah. like yeah with that being said it's time to jump into trevor's trivia all right what you got trevor well we're gonna just see how much you were paying attention um this weekend so we're gonna do a little a little quiz on the statistics um from this past event. So I'm going to go through different categories and I'm going to, I'm going to basically give you a player or no, you know, we'll just go each category and see if you can guess, um, who, who led each one. I think that'll be fun. We'll go, we'll go with, uh, we'll go with the, the MPO and the FPO. We'll do a few. Let me just get the actual UDISC event up. Okay. So the first one we're going to go with, is MPO who had the highest birdie percentage? Highest birdie percentage doesn't always correlate to the winner. That's why this one's a little bit tough. <sighs> Anthony Barella. 
Incorrect. Who was it? <laughs> yeah, it was Drew Gibson. Oh, okay. 64%. <laughs> I, was, like, I was thinking AB he, had a lot of like, he would have a bogey and then like three birdies and then a double. And then, so I was thinking like, that might have been something. He was literally, if I'm looking at this, yeah, he was literally 9% higher. Or no, he was the next highest actually. See if you can guess who the next highest was. This one's actually, this is kind of an interesting one. The next highest? Yeah, somebody who had, you think, had a lot of birdies, but also a lot of bogeys. Well, that was who I guessed, Anthony Perella. Well, you know it's not him. Yeah, so... Uh, Ricky Wysocki. Adam Hammes. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that at makes 58%. Sense. All right, we'll do the next one. Let's go... This is a great one. Uh, gain, strokes gained C1X. It's still in MPO? Yeah, in MPO. Strokes gained C1X. Strokes gained. It's got to be. It's got to be like we'll go Gannon Burr, Colton Montgomery. Wow, and he crushed everybody. Nine point five six. Next highest was Cole Redelin. Shout out EB seven. Right. Yes. He, yeah. At seven point three one. Gannon Burr. Man, where is he on this list? He is. <laughs> you know what his is going to be? If he, I, I bet you, if I go gain C, yeah, gain C two is Gannon Burr oh, okay. significantly. His gain C one X was. Not that good. And then let's do, okay, let's do uh, strokes gained T to green. Still MPO? Yeah, MPO, last one. For Stroke gained T to green. Green counts circle two. So someone who got there a lot but didn't convert, Calvin Heimberg. Bang. Yeah. Yeah, good line of thinking. Wow, there. that was a good line yeah, of thinking. Yeah, Calvin struggled in round three, struggled bad. Like he, he was missing putts like crazy. All right, now we're going to go to the FPO. I'm sure these ones will be very interesting. Wow, when you look, I mean, when you look at strokes gained putting, it's it's fascinating in FPO. Like it just doesn't even matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. It at is all. literally crazy. Um. Okay, so let's let's go let's go strokes gained T degree. We'll start with that one because it, it's it's so crazy. It's gotta be it's gotta be Katrina Allen. It's Paige Pierce. Just I almost get Paige. It's crazy. That's all that matters. It's cra- yeah, it's literally the only thing that matters. Let's go. You got to give yourself lots of chances and then convert half of them. Okay, here's an interesting question for you. If the the leader of strokes gained putting was 9.9 from Julie Moens or Moans. Okay. Um, so 9.9, what do you think? Holy cow. How far do I have to go down for this? How many uh, strokes gained putting do you think Katrina Allen had? 0. 0.7. 0. 0.75. Oh my God. Holy cow. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> wow. I was almost wow, you're kind of killing it here. I was almost saying it as a joke. You're kind of killing it here. Oh my goodness. Okay. And then that was incredible. we'll do one more question. What a moment. Because this one I think will be. Yeah, this one will be interesting. So, Paige Pierce obviously lost by one stroke to Cat. How many more OB strokes did she have than Contrita Allen? She had more. I'm going to say five more. <laughs> it's five. Heck yeah. <laughs> what are you I'm not. At? These are just my notes. You can. You literally just got three of those, and two of them were like on the dot, correct? That is very impressive. What can I say? This guy, well, all right. I think that answers the question. Hunter was paying attention. <laughs> very well how lucky <laughs> <laughs> holy cow alright let's wrap up the show with a quick memorial preview since it's not an elite series or a major it's not going to be a preview show this week there is a pretty strong field Paul's starting oh, to season that's here that's such a bummer 
Adam Hammes. Yeah. What an awesome start to the season just to have Memorial. Yeah. Is it going to be live? No. Gosh. What am I going to do with myself? I don't know. We have a week I'll tell off. you what I'm going to do. Play some disc golf. <laughs> no, golf. Oh, it's going to be warm this weekend, too. Yeah. Uh, Adam Hammes is going to be there. Kyle Klein, Drew Gibson, Paul. This is going to be the first time seeing Paul this year. That'll be one question because Memorial, we all know Memorial Vista and Fountain Hills, whatever it's called, Fountain Lakes, something, the Fountain Course. Mick Memorial. Uh, Mick Memorial. Who's taking it down? You said who else is going to be there? Hammers, Hammers, Kyle Klein, Klein, Drew Gibson, Kayla Visca. I'm going to say right now, I bet Gibson goes back to back. Mm. Wouldn't surprise me. He's good at those Mm. courses. Who you got, Connor? Um. Dang, that was a deep yeah, sigh. What the frick? I, all I was thinking about this whole weekend was, man, if Paul was here right now, where would he be? Like, where would yeah. he be? Because Liz asked me that, and I said, honestly, I, he wasn't I don't, beating I don't Bird. I was like, I don't, honestly, no I don't know where he'd be. He would have had to been going off to be. I was like, because Ricky, Ricky at Memorial? No. Is Gannon, no, no, he's not. Who won't see him until week? I, mean, no, I, I don't I, know. Good. Awesome. I really wanted to say Drew. Just because I, I think he's going to be not a bad pick. I think he's just going to be coming off hot off last weekend. I'll go with Paul. I was thinking Drew had a shot at it. It wouldn't surprise me if Hammis took it, but it's the first time we're going to see Paul this season. Paul is tough to be I think he's going to be hungry because he missed when it missed, missed Vegas. All the he, fun, man. he intentionally skipped Vegas, and he's probably seeing a lot of like all the media hype and stuff going to Drew. And I think he wants to come out, slap Drew around, and be like, "Hey, he wants to, he wants to eager. put it in people's heads of like, if I was there, I would have won." I think he's eager yeah. to be back in <laughs> so, the game. So I sure. think I think we're, I'm going to go with Paul. Um, Can't go wrong with that pick. Mm-mm. All right. Well, there you have it. That's this week's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed. We'll be back next Monday. And then next week, we'll also have the Waco preview to get going. So uh, super exciting. We'll talk about Memorial some next week. Thank you all so much for tuning in.